Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you and worship with you today at WPC um, on uh, today, today being Dedication Sunday as we make and dedicate pledges for the coming year. But uh, it's also good to be with you as we're approaching the Thanksgiving holiday where uh, many of us will gather around tables for a good meal and give thanks for all of our blessings. I think our second lesson connects both of these themes for us today. Stewardship and gratitude, Thanksgiving. Our readings from the book of Hebrews, which admittedly is an odd book in the New Testament to place. On the one hand, it's not really a letter, although many people have called it one. On another, many have claimed it's a work of Paul. Now, most scholars say it was probably written by someone else. Scholars now say the book of Hebrews is really a sermon, albeit a pretty long sermon, but a sermon nonetheless. And it is a sermon given to budding Jewish Christians struggling to find their new religious footing. So when I refer to the writer uh, throughout the, the sermon, I'll simply call him or her the preacher for simplicity. Our reading this morning addresses the practice of religious offerings and uh, the great gifts offered to us by God. Uh, Jesus, our high priest, the Holy Spirit, and finally, the gift of one another. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 10th chapter of Hebrews, beginning with the 11th verse. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there's forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In Greek mythology, there is the tale of Sisyphus. The king of ancient Corinth, whose misdeeds caused him to be sentenced to an eternity of pushing a big boulder up a hill, and when he gets to the top, for that boulder to fall all the way down to the bottom and for him to start the process all over again. The tale became so prominent that Sisyphus is thought of any time someone does a task that's futile, that is deemed without 
purpose. The sort of act is called a Sisyphean task. There are many examples of where this term is used. Uh, the one that came to mind to me this week since I was writing a sermon is uh, the Beatles song, Eleanor Rigby. When, he said, when the, the lyrics go, Father Mackenzie writing a sermon that no one will hear. A Sisyphean task seems to be on the mind of the preacher of Hebrews in our text today. The preacher is thinking of all of those ritual offerings and sacrifices priests are offering to God each day. How they toil and work and sacrifice and do so honorably, but in the end, none of these will take away sin. Only one sacrifice has done that. The offering of Jesus, God's own son, who the preacher says is our great high priest, who gave his life, defeated death, and conquered sin once and for all. This is a gift of God out of love, the preacher says. One that we didn't earn, nor one that we particularly deserve. But this is the beauty of grace. This gift continues with the gift of the Holy Spirit, who assures us of our forgiveness, writing the new covenant on our hearts, reminding us of who we are and whose we are in Christ. The image used here is one of Hebrew worship. Jesus' sacrifice has opened the curtain for us. Uh, That is the, the curtain in the temple, giving us access to the inner sanctuary, a part previously closed off only to the high priest. This is the place where God's presence was believed to be. The place where one could meet God. And the Holy Spirit gives us the confidence to step boldly inside to get an experience of God. This is what Christ's sacrifice has done. How could we ever respond to such a gift? How could we ever respond to such a blessing? The preacher says, we certainly don't do this with more sacrifices. We respond with gratitude and generosity. Our giving as Christians, our ministry of generosity as disciples, is an act not of obligation, but of gratitude. We give to God out of a sense of gratitude for the immense grace we cannot comprehend. Our giving to God, our offering, isn't a Sisyphean action. It doesn't save us, but that was never the intention. The intention is always gratitude. Gratitude for God shown in generosity of ourselves, our resources for the glory of God. This is what we get to celebrate today as we make and dedicate pledges. Our gratitude of God's love and mercy for us, shown forth in our act of giving. As individuals, our understanding of stewardship is primarily focused on resources. Our time, our talent, but also our treasure, our financial resources. But the preacher in Hebrews continually proclaims that the work of God is never just individual. It's also communal. It's focused on the community of God's people. Fellow pastor Magri de Vega reminded me this week that when the Holy Spirit shows up or is mentioned in the Bible, it's almost always in the context of community. As Christians, we are indissolubly linked together. We're linked together as the body of Christ and the community of fellow believers. Our ministry of stewardship and responding to grace with gratitude goes beyond the individual. It's a communal act as well. 
Through this ideal I like to think of as community stewardship, the preacher in Hebrews implores this community to care for one another in the greater body and to do this in three different ways. The first way of community stewardship, the preacher says, is to provoke one another. Provoke one another to love and good deeds. This, friends, is a reminder that we need each other. We need one another in this journey of faith we call the Christian life. Being engaged in a faith community in the church allows us to support and challenge one another in our pursuit of spiritual growth and maturity. It allows us to share the love of Christ together through our deeds, but also our work, our thinking, our reflection. He reminds us that there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Maturity in faith, growing in Christ, only happens in community. It can only happen in the church. It is only together that we can become the living community Christ has called us to be. We need one another. We need one another to truly respond to Christ's call to proclaim and live the gospel. The second way, the the second way of community stewardship, uh, the preacher uses a pretty confusing double negative here, um, which is actually acceptable uh, and pretty common in Greek grammar to to emphasize something. Um, And and most of the time, our English Bibles kind of adapt it and make it sound uh, proper in English, but... Uh, For some reason, they chose not to adapt this one. The preacher says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Basically, he says the second way we can practice community stewardship is by simply gathering together. Not only do we need one another, we need to get together regularly. We need to show up for one another. When we show up, we can care for each other and strengthen one another in Christ. Oftentimes, we can do this without even saying a single word. It's a reminder that our presence is powerful. It's a reminder that showing up matters. We tend to think of stewardship of, uh, with our finances and maybe our time and our talents, but it seems here that the preacher of Hebrews urges folks to think about the stewardship of their presence. Maybe in addition to a financial pledge, we ought to make pledges or Maybe at least personal goals of how many Sundays a year we'll be here gathered together as our community at WPC. The concern laid out by the preacher in the as is the habit of some uh, to neglect meeting together uh, is that this act is not only keeping you from supporting and being supported by one another. uh, The concern is that not showing up for the community further divides the people. It furthers the gap, the chasm between people. It's a divide we know all too well in our world today. Being separated, not being together, creates rifts and schisms. But even worse yet, it creates the illusion that we don't really need each other. This concern of the preacher of Hebrews is one for us to ponder today as well. We need each other. Simply showing up, caring about our stewardship of presence, helps ourselves and our community more than we can ever know. The final way the preacher implores us to engage in community stewardship is simply by encouraging one another. This really addresses the role of the church and of uh, individual 
Christians in caring for those in need, those who are broken, those who are without hope. Our job, our stewardship of community calls us to reach out and offer encouragement, to offer friendship to the lonely and lost among us. In this crazy life and world that we live in, we not only need one another, we need to encourage one another, providing friendship and love to everyone, but especially to those in need of a friend and those who are without hope. I was reminded this week of someone who takes the stewardship of community task to heart. With Thanksgiving this week, many restaurants will be closed since many of us will be spending the holiday with family. Not George Demopoulos, who is the owner of George's Senate Coney Island restaurant in Metro Detroit. Yes, Coney dogs are somehow a thing in Michigan, where I'm from. Don't ask me how or why, they just are a thing. But George's restaurant is doing something a little different on Thanksgiving. A few weeks ago, he posted a makeshift sign using a Sharpie and a piece of copy paper that read, George's Thanksgiving dinner. If anyone is alone, come eat with us for free. All day, Thursday, November 22nd. The sign has gone viral on social media uh, and has every year since he's been doing it. Apparently, George has been offering free meals on Thanksgiving uh, and Easter as well for well over a decade. Turns out when George's family came to the U.S. from Greece in 1969, he remembers a time when he needed food. He needed fellowship, community, and someone reached out and helped him. Since building three restaurants, George has noticed that a number of people come to his restaurants and don't have anyone to eat with. So this tradition has not only offered a warm meal, but it's also offered fellowship and community for people who might otherwise have been alone on this holiday. Can you imagine the joy that uh, this, this sort of act of community stewardship brings to someone, someone who might have otherwise have been alone? George saw that his community needed someone to show up and offer encouragement and love, so he did it. This kind of care, this kind of stewardship of community is what Christ calls us to do as his followers. As we prepare to make commitments to support WPC, may we remember that we respond to God's grace always with gratitude and generosity by offering our gifts and resources, but also offering our very selves for the community, that we might show up for one another, that we might value presence that we might encourage one another and challenge each other to grow more and more in how we share Christ's love together. So as we prepare to go and gather at tables in the coming weeks, may we also remember to show up for each other, to show up for one another that we might provoke one another to acts of love. And may we encourage one another, particularly the lost, the lonely, the hurting, that we might be reflections of the love and hope Christ our Lord. Amen.